0: Today's episode is brought to you by Red Rock Roasters. You've heard of Red Rock Roasters, right? Oh, you haven't? Founded in 1993, Red Rock Roasters is a family-owned, multi-generational, speciality coffee roaster based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And to help celebrate 30 years of excellence, during the month of November, Red Rock Roasters is holding a 30 days of giveaway celebration. All you have to do is use the hashtag... 30 years of Red Rock Roasters when you share your posts on Instagram or Facebook stories to be entered into the drawing. Coffee and merchandise will be awarded every single day through November to 30 participants whose names will be randomly drawn from amongst the folks who use the hashtag. You can find Red Rock Roasters coffee in your local Albertsons, Sprouts, Smith's Food and Drug, and Whole Foods Market in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Don't live in Albuquerque? Again, no problem. You can visit redrockroasters.com to see their entire collection of responsibly sourced beans that are perfectly roasted with the care and professionalism your next cup of coffee deserves. Listen, you, you can't lose on this. So use the hashtag 30 years of Red Rock Roasters to start winning some coffee and merchandise the entire month of November. You can find more details in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast, episode 27. Money, religion, cults, and non-profits. <laughs> we have a good one today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about cults. In recent... Uh, A recent documentary I picked up, had a chance to watch on Netflix, Escaping Twin Flames. A lot of people have been talking about it. I'm going to talk about it, but a little bit more from the nonprofit angle. I think you're all going to appreciate that. We're going to get to that here in about five minutes. And I'm going to do a rapid fire books a little bit later in today's episode where I'm going to talk about the book. Let me make sure I have it here. How to be great at doing good. Why Results or What Count and How Smart Charity Can Change the World by Nick Cooney. Um, Here's a little hint. I don't recommend it. Don't like the book. I'm going to tell you why. So stay tuned for that here in about 15, 20 minutes. If you haven't had the chance already, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Insider. We have a lot of great content coming out over these next two, three months. Uh, So yeah, definitely pay attention to what we've got going on. Uh, Because I think we're going to have a a really good boom in 2024. And it's funny because we're on episode 27. And I remember when I first started the podcast, I said, if I can just do one episode every two weeks, that's only 27 episodes. I can do that. I can do 27 episodes. And, And we're not, we still have four months until the first year. Anniversary of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast, and we've already got 27 episodes. So we're just gonna keep rocking and rolling. There's no need to stop. We're just gonna keep kind of banging these things out. And look, normally this is where I would transition. I say, hey, we got a nice news segment, but no news segment today. It's Thanksgiving. You all are watching football. You're getting ready for family. Maybe you're traveling. So I wanted to get you in uh, under 30 minutes with with a nice episode that you can consume. And what better way than to talk about cults, religion, and money? I mean, those are just things that so many of us really enjoy, and I'm a big fan of uh, documentaries and cults, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to do here, I was doing some research, and I said, you know what, I, I'm always looking at different aspects of the IRS, a nerd like that, where I really enjoy taking the time to see some of the aspects of what the IRS is doing when it comes to providing tax-exempt tax, exempt, uh, uh, tax exempt status to different organizations. And so I was able to kind of look at the uh, 2019 IRS data book. And I want to read you some numbers that I think you all will find very interesting. In 2009, including to the IRS, there were 1,870,000 666 organizations exempt from tax. I just find that so interesting. 666 it's religion, and we're talking about religion. All right, that's neither here and there. Of these, 1,365,744 were designated as 501c3 charitable organizations. And we know most people out of all the different nonprofits are familiar with the 501c3 designation uh, for various reasons, because you can get, you know, you can donate to a, a 501c3 and you can get tax deductions. But that's 73%. 73% of all organizations that are exempt from tax in the United States are a 501c3 organization. So, Just some interesting numbers as you kind of step into this Thanksgiving time of really getting a deeper sense of when we talk about nonprofits, many people think of a 501c3 because they constitute 73% of all nonprofits in the nation, but you're still talking about another 27% that are not under that designation, and I think that's just such an interesting number to kind of know. All right, with all that said, listen, let's just get into the episode. You all have a lot going on Let's talk a little bit about this documentary, Escaping Twin Flames. Let's get into it. Remember when I said today's episode was brought to you by Red Rock Roasters? Well, I forgot to mention their coffee of the month club. And believe it or not, it's even better than what it sounds like. When you sign up for their Coffee of the Month Club, you receive three 12-ounce bags of caffeinated coffee and a little coffee surprise delivered directly to your home each and every month. You decide when you want it shipped out, and they choose which of their coffees is the most exciting that month. You can choose from an assortment of medium, medium medium-dark, or dark blends, or stick with a box that contains only single-origin coffees which will all be medium-roasted to develop their terroir. And can I tell you the price? Only $42.75 a month plus shipping and taxes. Listen, sometimes you just want a nice cup of home-brewed coffee. No worries about getting to your car, putting an order in with 15,000 other people, worrying about the coffee creator saying your name wrong, or having to punch a cold into the bathroom while you wait. You don't even need to put in your good sweatpants for this deal. They have the coffee delivered directly to you so you can enjoy it in your own home. So visit redrockroasters.com to learn more about their Coffee of the Month Club. You can find more details in the show notes. everyone welcome back time for our main segment of the day and about a week ago i had a friend reach out to me and said hey hey, swim they texted me they said hey swim have you heard of the documentary escaping twin flames on netflix i said no i haven't heard of it you know what's the deal is something i need to check out and she said yeah this is definitely something you need to check out it just came out and i i think for a variety of reasons, she said. I think this is one you're going to like. And so I, I trust this person. And if you've been listening to the Nonprofit Insider podcast for some time, you may remember back in episode 17, I talked about a friend in the industry who had texted me and said, Hey, Swim, have you heard of nonprofits tracking employees' location slash GPS? And I said, I definitely haven't heard of that. That sounds illegal, but tell me a little bit more. And she texted me a little bit more. I said, okay, okay. She explained a little bit better than the text kind of indicated. And so this is a person that really gives me some great insider information because she works in a very high level nonprofit. So she's always giving me some really good stuff to talk about. And so when she says, hey, I think you should check something out. I definitely listen to her because she's an insider. Go to Netflix. It's a Saturday. Put, put put the kid to bed. I happen to have some free time. I had like an hour or so. Put it on. And in the first four minutes, I am hooked. I am hooked. And it's very clear with the direction that the producers and the director and the editors and all that stuff. It's very clear that they are setting it up to, to, to make it very obvious that this organization called Twin Flames University. And I don't want to give away too much. But I am going to give away some things here and there. So if you haven't watched it yet, you know it's Thanksgiving. You know, you got off tomorrow. If you're listening to this to Wednesday, you've got you got the weekend. You probably got some time off. Watch this documentary on uh, Netflix. But it's about this organization called Twin Flames University, and the basic premise is that in life, everybody has what they call a twin flame—someone whose fire and energy matches yours and so it they, they set it up that it has all the classic makings of a cult the, the love bombing uh, the increased occupation of time the isolation of family and friends this organization really gives about a, a us versus them vibes and, and of course one of the big things is the separation of the person's money and resources and I tried to look up the exact definition of a cult according to like the FBI or maybe the CIA and I couldn't funny enough, I couldn't find anything. But as we know with many cults, it's kind of like a social uh what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a social group that's that's kind of detached from the rest of mainstream. And look, just to be honest, sometimes that's not always a bad thing, all right? If you have different ideas or different thought patterns, there's a lot of times where the the, the use of the word cult can be thrown around and it's not always accurate. But in this case, it, it feels pretty accurate. And we know at its core, many cults seek one of two things: money or power. And usually they they, they seek both and they become intertwined. And where some cults start off with the power, like that's the thing they want first, and then they get the money. And then other cults start with the money and then they get the power. But whichever comes first, the other is usually not too far behind. And this documentary portrays it in a fashion that the, the leaders of this Twin Flames University, Jeff and Shalia, they're first attracting people through through money because they, they have courses and all types of coaching and leadership groups where you pay them, you know, $250 a month or, uh, you know, $100 a month, whatever the money may be, you pay them and their structure a particular amount of money. And in exchange, you get to be a part of coaching sessions, you be, get to be a part of this group and learn all the different ways to harmonize your life in a fashion where you can attract your twin flame. So they start off with the money. But of course, once they get the money, very, very quickly, they start to gain a lot of power. We see this in a lot of MLMs kind of work in much of the same ways. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, And some people say politicians will do it the other way around, where politicians will get the money first and then they get the money second. And a classic move that many cults make um, when moving into various spaces as they expand and as they grow is that they'll say, no, 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 we're we're not a cult. And they'll use that as a way to deflect. No, we're not a cult. And again, sometimes that word can be thrown around in a little bit of a disparaging way for groups that aren't actually cults. But they say, no, 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 we're not a cult. Uh, And they'll say, you know, we're not actually, they'll get to a point where a cult will generally say, we're not a cult because they don't want you to think they're a cult. And we're not a business. Instead, we're actually a religion, and it's at that point where you start getting into my wheelhouse of nonprofit status. One of the most popular episodes I've had so far here on the Nonprofit Insider podcast is episode seven titled What is a Nonprofit Anyway? And in that episode, I give a breakdown on what the IRS actually uses to constitute an organization to get nonprofit or tax exemption status. And one of the big ones we know is religion. And religion is a classic way for many, many groups to come together, you know, harmonize, and, and, and just really bring about community. And a classic move of many cults is that they'll move into the space of saying, again, they're not a cult. In fact, we're not even a business. We're a religion. And in this documentary, it's in the second episode, around the 22-minute mark, where the leader of the organization of this Twin Flames University says, hey, great news, everyone. And I, and I quote, we're going to turn part of our business into a religion. And at one point, he says that the, the image of Christ is me, and that he's the second coming of—it's it's just weird. He basically compares himself to Jesus— and it's just absolutely, it's just terrible. And so he 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 talks about how yeah we're turning part of our business to an, into a religion called Church of Union. So they register this church as a nonprofit, and then their desire is to have for-profit businesses underneath. I mean this is I, I've been using this word this is the word of the day classic. This is a classic move, because if we're being honest with ourselves, there are many parts of society that are really kind of cult-like, you know. Taylor Swift is in the news a lot. That's kind of cult-like. If you uh, are really into sports, you really like the Dallas Cowboys or you really like the New York Yankees, kind of cult-like. Sororities and fraternities, with the, you know, they do the dancing and they do, uh, what's it called, the hazing and indoctrination. And, and sororities and fraternities are 501c7, So, but, you know, kind of cult-like, right? MLMs, sports, Beyonce fans, you know, whatever the case may be, there are a lot of different sectors of society that we all participate in that are kind of cult-like, and nonprofits. I've often talked about how many nonprofits will say, you know, we are family, love the mission, let it guide you. Eh, it's kind of cult-like. So to think that religion is not cult-like, and this isn't to get this isn't to get into conversations of, you know, what religion is or isn't, but to say it's not kind of cult-like would be ridiculous. Because the line between the two is thin. And the reason why so many groups of people will come together to say, "Hey, we are actually religion." It can be multiple reasons. It it could be because they actually do see themselves as a religious entity and believing in a higher power to one degree or another. But a lot of people will take advantage of the nonprofit status because it gives them the ability to have money gains. You know, it's, it's a financial advantage and to gain power. I have a book in my collection, not that I have a whole lot of books, but I have a book in my collection titled... Every Nonprofit's Tax Guide, colon, How to Keep Your Tax-Exempt Status and Avoid IRS Problems. I, I like books like this because I'm really into the aspects of really understanding what the IRS deems. And in this book, the author talks about, and I want to read this to you, talks about how churches, more than any other aspects of the nonprofit space, are treated differently. And so I'm going to read this here verbatim, and I quote, in general, churches are treated with kid gloves by the IRS. One reason is their political influence. Another is legitimate concern about separation of church and state and the First Amendment right of all Americans to the free exercise of religion. A special provision of the tax law called the, end quote, Church Audit Procedures Act, end quote, imposes special restrictions on audits of churches. It goes on to say, A church may be audited only after the matter has been reviewed by the highest levels of the IRS. Also, before beginning an audit, the IRS must provide the church with written notice and give it an opportunity for a conference with an IRS official if it so requests. If the church requests a conference, the IRS must schedule it within a reasonable time and cannot examine church records and activities until after the conference. That is a very, very big deal. And so if you have the whereabouts to register your organization as a church, you are given more than any more than a, a private foundation, which are more scrutinized, more than a, a public charity, more than a hospital, more than a college, more than a school, more than a sorority, more than a fraternity, more than all of those, a church is is very um. it's a a little bit more specialized so it's very smart for it's devious and devilish but it's very smart for a lot of organizations to just say no 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 we're not a business we're a religion and we've seen this in the existence of time and in more recent times we've seen this with nexium I, I have a funny story about Nexium. I'm going to share it another time because I used to live in Seattle and I never remember running into some Nexium folks. I'll tell it another time. But Nexium, um, uh, a Branch Davidians, Jonestown, the 45th anniversary of Jonestown was just last week, November 18th, 1978. and 909 people passed away from drinking the Kool Aid. So when you hear, don't drink the Kool Aid, that's where that comes from. Uh, I'm trying to think of some more of examples, but yes, you, you get the, you get the point where you can say, we are a religion, you get nonprofit status and you create a structure that's very similar to an MLM, a multi-level marketing or, uh, group, and you can get money, you can get power and you can keep all of those things. And we've seen it done over and over and over and over again. And so you just got to be careful out there, depending on uh, what you're into or groups you associate with, you can easily be taken in. And I know some people that listen to this that are like, yeah, I was definitely, I grew up in a cult um, and I've seen that happen in a lot of ways. And listen, again, the line between a cult and religion, it's, it's okay to admit, it can be thin. All right, final segment before we go ahead and get on here. Time for our rapid fire book section. And look, sometimes uh, when I do the rapid fire books and I talk about a book, it's because I think there's a book that you should really check out and it's worth picking up. But every now and then I read a book and I'm like, this isn't a book you should pick up or buy or even rent from your local library. But they have a series of topics or there's certain things about the book that I'm like, I want to talk about and kind of use as an example. So look, this isn't the shit on this particular person, but I want to talk about this book. And so maybe around the beginning of this podcast, I had picked up a book called How to Be Great at Doing Good. Why results are what count and how smart charity can change the world. And it's by an author. His name is Nick Cooney. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The book is not good. The book is not good. It's It's written in such a way that, at least for me, I I didn't like it. And one of the things that many people in the nonprofit space have been experiencing over the last 15, maybe 20 years, really since the rise of various software uh, platforms, is the idea that nonprofits are inefficient and that nonprofits need to act more like for-profit businesses. And I'm just tired of hearing it. I'm just tired of hearing it. Now, as a whole, organizations are just becoming more efficient because it's just it's just the nature of the beast, right? But the idea that a nonprofit really needs to mirror many aspects of the for-profit space and be hyper-efficient and count every single uh every dollar and every single cent and you can't make mistakes and you need to be lean and mean it's kind of bullshit to be honest with you and i think there's a, almost like a corporate takeover of the nonprofit world of hey listen if i'm giving you my money whether you're a private foundation or you're just a person who likes to cut a check for 10 grand every year this idea that i want every single dollar and every single penny to be hyper focused in a fashion that leads to cutthroat results that's just not that's just not the nature of being in this industry and i speak and i talk to so many people that are executive directors that are board members that say it's they're, they're They're getting squeezed by their donors or their leadership group in a fashion that really doesn't align with what the purpose of a nonprofit organization generally should be, especially when we're talking private charities or excuse me, excuse me, when we're talking about uh, public charities and the like. And in this book, How to Be Great at Doing Good, the offer really is talking about how we need to focus on the result. And I'm okay with the industry changing their approach to say, "Hey, listen, we have a big deal when it comes to homelessness. How many people are um, unhoused at this point in time, and how many of those folks after five years or ten years? You know, I- I'm okay with that. I think many people in the nonprofit space are looking for that, but to really start with that, to really have that be the the center focused." where a lot of authors like Nick Cooney are are kind of preaching, at least as I see it when reading the book. I think it's just a false narrative that that nonprofits are inefficient, they don't really care about change, and that they should be moving more into that space. And another reason I I, I don't like the book, it's very self-serving. And listen, I'm okay with self-serving. You're listening to this podcast now. Maybe you're watching this, this video on Instagram. You're, you're kind of hearing me speak. It's self-serving, right? We're all to a degree self-serving. But in the book, when he's talking about various examples, it, it's very clear where his allegiance is. And so one of the things in the very back of the book uh, about the author says, Nick Cooney is Director of Education at Mercy for Animals, and founder of the Humane League. He is also the author of Change of Heart, What Psychology Can Teach Us About Spreading Social Change. So listen, I'm not knocking this guy. He's a smart guy, clearly. He does a lot of things. And he's written a book. He's done more in that particular space than I have. But on page 103 under the chapter, how can we drive our favorite charities to succeed? I want to read you two paragraphs real fast that I think are very telling. And it says, and I quote, Consider, for example, Charity Navigator's ratings of hundreds of animal protection charities. When we discussed animal protection earlier, we spoke about how there's a pretty obvious bottom line goal for animal protection groups. Their bottom line is to help animals. If we look at Charity Navigator's rankings of animal protection groups, though, we see that there is no special relation between the rating given to an animal protection charity and how many animals the charity helps. And basically, he goes on to basically say, like, Charity Navigator's rating system is flawed. It doesn't really focus on the results and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I've actually heard that. About charity, Navigator, and a lot of other organizations that rank nonprofits in the work they do. But he goes on to say in, in page 105, and I quote, Animal Charity uh, um, Evaluators.org, which we mentioned earlier, provides a similar analysis of the most cost-effective animal protection charities in the United States. One of the tens of thousands of animal charities that exist, or out of the tens of thousands of animal charities that exist, ACE selected 100 for consideration based on the scope of the charity's work and their likelihood of being among the most effective. In the end, AnimalCharityEvaluators.org recommended three charities, the Humane League, Mercy for Animals, and Animal Equality. Well, what are the fucking chances that the three that this organization uh, have recommended you're the director of one and the founder of another. It's just hard to take. It's just hard to take books seriously like that when you're so close to to what's happening. And I'm not saying that you don't have the ability to write a book and talk about what you want. That's the point. But in moments like this, you're slanted and you're biased in a fashion that it's it's really hard. It's just hard to take the rest of the book seriously. So this is definitely my first uh, rapid fire books. I would not recommend. And I've been wanting to talk about this book since the first episode, but we've been getting horror stories, we've been getting a lot of uh, profiles, we've been getting a lot of good stuff here at the Nonprofit Insider Podcast, but How to Be Great at Doing Good, Why Results Are What Count, and How Smart Charity Can Change the World. This is a book I would not recommend. I think it's a little too self-serving. I think it leans a little too much on the ideas that nonprofits need to be lean or more efficient when it never really talks about the fact that... If we're being honest, a lot of inefficiencies with nonprofit can spur innovation, and you have to have that type of mindset sometime uh, to go out there and do it. So don't pick this book up. Uh, let me know. What do you think? Do nonprofits need to be more efficient? Do you think that that's something that's missing in the nonprofit space? Let me know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Nonprofit Insider love to get your insights as it relates to this book, if you've read it, or other books in the nonprofit space that you think I should read because I would love to talk about it sometime here on the podcast. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully, you are able to enjoy the rest of the week. Be sure to check out Red Rock Roasters. Uh, Use the hashtag, 30 years of Red Rock Roasters. Get some free coffee. Listen, you don't even have to tell them that I sent you. Just use the hashtag, follow Red Rock Roasters. They're always sponsoring the show and we appreciate all the work that they do. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everyone.